We have film of what very nearly amounts to a real miracle. Survivors of a plane crash in the Chilean Andes, the plane went down 10 weeks ago. The 45 people aboard were given up for dead. When the news broke in 1972, the world couldn't believe it. A new Netflix film, Society of the Snow, revisits the terrifying events. You are listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is episode 27, Society of the Snow, featuring Finch. everybody to fruitless uh, i'm josiah and i am joined today by uh old old bird co-host of mine finch hello it's good to be on finally yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah you haven't actually been on fruitless right you're yeah. the only mammonberg host that hasn't appeared yet so i know so finally rectifying finally that. Um, but yeah, what a, what a topic we have to cover today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you brought, you brought to me, um, the, the society, a society of the snow, which has been, um, a movie that you've been kind of obsessed with the last few weeks. It seems months, what, however long it's been a few weeks, a few weeks. This, this, this film has become this, this film, I'm going to, I'll just be frank. It's, it's deranged me in the way children of men deranged Chris. If you get what oh, I mean, Chris Barker. Or, yeah, Chris yeah, Barker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go back and listen to uh, the Children of Men episode if you want to understand how how that that movie has deranged Chris Barker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah. so you become really obsessed with it. It's it's certainly my Roman Empire. Yeah. Well, and it also seems like it hasn't been a huge source of discourse in the Anglosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, I. I knew it was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. and Oscars. it looked two Oscars and it looked yeah. good. And I, that was it. I, yeah. I wasn't probably going to watch it anytime soon. Yeah. Was, you know, the sort of discourse around this movie uh, has been very interesting. I've been following it for a couple weeks. Um, it's very exclusively in the Spanish speaking world, but it's yeah. become very much like a major cultural phenomenon there. Which is, it's insane to me, because you're not hearing anything about it in the United States. Yeah, well, like, proximity-wise, you would expect, it feels like, of, of like, I don't know, of, of like, na- uh, global discourses happening in certain languages. I feel like Spanish-speaking stuff would be more likely to trickle over into English right. compared to, like, other stuff, and it just hasn't. And I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. The way I stumbled upon this discourse was very interesting. Um... I watched the film, I think, sometime in early January, and I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really good. It's on Netflix. I wonder if anybody's talking about it. And so, you know, I went to Twitter because that's usually where a lot of people go to discuss, you know, culture, art, art like this. Um, you know, I looked up Society of the Snow and there was a little bit of conversation about it, just like mm-hmm. 200, you know, note posts you know just people being like oh that was really good and then i was like hmm what if i typed the uh name of the movie in spanish and i did that and twitter 
suddenly caught on fire. I was seeing <laughs> viral post after viral post. I was seeing memes. I was seeing fan edits and I was seeing fan cams, fan cams like you would not believe. Yeah, you, 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 I think you made the comment that it was um, the equivalent to like salt burns discourse, like yeah. kind of exploding in, in the English world the last yeah. few weeks. But like, yeah. it's, this movie has been that in the Spanish speaking world. Yeah. This could even just be that, like, they're Oppenheimer, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Just because yeah. I don't think Saltburn is a very good movie, but that's my. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying. I, I don't think I'm not making that. I'm comparing yeah. the, the discourses. I have oh, not yeah. seen Saltburn yet, so I. Um, I... No, I, yeah, I would say, yeah, the, that's like the same level of fanfare. Yeah, no, it was just it was just crazy to witness, honestly. It was very, very. Mm-hmm. What a demented situation we find ourselves in because I don't even know how to tonally approach this because the event itself is so awful. Like it's something I would not wish on my worst worst enemy. And the movie is absolutely beautiful. It's heart rendering. And then you have (laughs) going on online about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like just this this I don't know, this this movie about this awful tragedy and then also like Yeah. Yeah half of the spanish speaking like social media is is people that just really want to fuck the actors just like <laughs> really really <laughs> honestly i i get it um <laughs> well uh before um, we get because you gestured at this is based off a real real story yeah. we talk about the movie a little bit here like the actual movie before we get into the the domino effect it's had on on discourse right. yeah so it is a uh you know it came out what last year technically right Technically, yeah, it just right released right at the very end. I think mm. coincidentally, it opened in theaters, or maybe intentionally, it opened on theaters in theaters on December twenty second, which was the first wave of rescues for the survivors. Oh, okay, and yeah, so it's an adaptation of a yeah. real case in which a uh, a flight mm. containing a rugby team uh, going flying from Uruguay to Chile mm-hmm. um, crash landed in the Andes, and they were stranded out there for. Uh, how long was it? Like 70 days? Something like that? 72 days. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so how, uh, what did you know about the uh, Andes flight disaster going into this? Uh, all I knew going into this is, you know, the other, the other aspect here is, mm-hmm. is of course this, this, this case has been adapted into a movie before, which mm-hmm. was in the nineties and right. uh, stars Ethan Hawke. And I have, Ethan Hawke is one of the actors I'm like trying to work on eventually seeing all of the movies he's been in. It's, it's mm-hmm. an interesting, so because of that, I've seen some yeah. weird young Ethan Hawke movies. And one of those weird young Ethan Hawke movies is alive. Um, 1993, I think is when it came out around the same time as like reality bites. Yeah. That uh, sounds about right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's fine. As long as you don't think too hard about the fact that this, uh, this, this tragedy that happened to a bunch of Latino, <laughs> People is by a very wasp cast. Like, <laughs> this Ethan Hawke in his most like yeah. reality bites nineties Gen X or American boy voice going oh like, my- Hey, how's it going, Roberto? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds not great. <laughs> yeah, that but like it's it's very uh very competent nineties movie. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's what's the fuck? It's a uh, Frank Marshall, it's the guy who directed Congo. Like, if ah. that gives you perspective, arachnophobia, a lot of those, like, nobody's favorite movie, but it's like, it's a 90s movie. Right. It does the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's a journeyman kind of. Uh, oh, the nineties. Oh, sorry. So everything I know is from that movie. I haven't Damn. like read anything. I haven't read any books about the actual case or anything. Yeah, I went into this knowing next to nothing about it. I actually think I stumbled on the case like a little earlier. Well, I guess you can't call it a case. It's it's more of a you know, I stumbled upon information about the tragedy. Um, actually listening to last podcast on the left. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause they actually released an episode like I think in December about it or a few episodes. Um, I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. So I did look into it and then I saw, Oh wow. There's a, there's a movie coming out about it. What a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I came into this movie, not knowing a lot about the tragedy. And now I feel like I know too much about it. Just because of all the information that has been dumped on me in the past in the past few weeks. I think a notable aspect of it, too, is, you know, when I watched Alive, Alive does not make because it is just not invested in making this like in a place. You know what I mean? Like in a historical time doesn't really care about that. It's more just about the mechanics of people surviving in the Arctic. Um, Because of that, I never crossed my mind to think about, huh, well, what was going on when this happened? An early 70s flight (laughs) of Uruguayans going to Chile Mm -hmm. in what, 71? 72. 72, right. Yeah. year before... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like most of Latin America descends into fucking military into, uh, juntas and yeah. dictatorships. And so what I do like about Society of the Snow, you know, into the movie is is when it in one of the opening scenes we see the protests. We see right. the work from the students rioting in the streets and stuff. No, know? yeah, I think it's very it's very good. I really do like how it sort of fits this tragedy into the historical context of Mm -hmm. what's going on in Latin America at that time. It's not a lot because obviously the film focuses mostly on the tragedy itself. Being in the Andes, yeah. Right, being in the Andes, people dying, having to make these unimaginable choices to sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did like that. I liked that it sort of put, um, you know, our you know, protagonists, like in, in the context of their society, you know, these were, these were upper, upper middle-class, well-educated guys, you know, we had rug, mm-hmm. uh, rugby players and then they ha- invited along their friends, which were a bunch of students. I know that Nando Parado's sister and mother joined him. And unfortunately they did perish very mm-hmm. sadly, but so I liked that. And I think it's sort of, it was very, it's sort of interesting to think that these guys who are sort of in the higher classes of society sort of just have all of their, you know, power, not, I, I don't know if this is the right word, but all of their power sort of taken from them in an instant mm-hmm. and they have to rely on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Le- learning, learning yeah. solidarity or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, through probably the language they would have the most access to, which is their Catholic faith. A lot of them, right. which is a big part of it as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this movie is deeply Catholic. It's, it very, it's a very Catholic film. You know, it, it's it's kind of funny, though, because I think the two things that I wish the movie did more with, and then we, we can get into the actual thing, is is really the politics and the religion. And I like mm. the little bit that's there. I just wish there was a little more. Right. But we'll, we'll get that. Like, I, I mentioned, I well, here, let's, let's get in the movie, because we haven't even right. mentioned the cannibalism yet. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, mo- most of the movie is, yeah, like you had mentioned, set in the Andes, in the Arctic, and it's it's a survival thriller, essentially, right? I mean, it's it's right. about the process of them having, you know, after, you know, their plane crashes, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of needing to work together or whatever. And then, of course, the reason that this, this story became so sensationalized and why it has stayed in kind of the public imagination is that they eventually very carefully had to resort to cannibalism right i believe it's called something different if you eat like just the dead like you're not murdering people yeah somebody i i ran into something that had made a comment about how it's better to or it would be better to call it um and i think it's anthropophagy yeah something like that anthropophagy i think the last podcast guys mentioned that too but human eating they they engaged in eating human flesh they did Mm -hmm. not murder people no. and devour them it's it was right. a very this, conscious decision yeah you know? yeah it's not like the franklin expedition or the donner party this was very no this was like people yeah. people who were in the process of dying said i consent to being eaten once uh, i'm dead like stuff like that happens. oh my god just what an unimaginable situation to be in i just gotta i i just gotta say yeah like that's oh, just yeah. not this is not something i would wish on my worst my worst enemy i actually did try to read some of the book in preparation for this episode mm-hmm. uh society of the snow by pablo bierci i believe is bierci yeah, mm-hmm. um i actually i'm gonna try and get back to it at some point but like i had to put it down because some of that that some of what he has in there is some of the worst shit i've ever read mm-hmm. just nothing like this had ever happened before you know, there was there were apparently a lot more crashes of this nature in the Andes and nobody survived prior to this event. Which you mentioned you mentioned was partially the US's fault, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is technically partially our fault. Um uh, the airplane, it's um a Fairchild model, I believe. Um Fairchild's an American manufacturer. And these planes were actually known to go down a lot. Like, I believe it was like a 33% crash rate or something. But we we decided to sell those to Uruguay anyway, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, well, Josiah, it's all about the grind set. It's all about that grind set. It's yeah. All about... it's, it, it's pretty amazing how the United States just can export mass death to Latin America. Not even, like, intentionally. Just without even trying. Right, we just, right. The intentional mass death is the next year. Right. 72 is all about the accidental mass. It was it was the soft it was the soft lunch. Oh. Yeah. Oh man. The soft <laughs> I deep I loved this film. Of the ones I've seen of the award season contenders, mm-hmm. uh, which admittedly not not a lot. I haven't seen so yeah. interest yet, but I that's, really That's my favorite 23 movie yeah. thus far. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, yeah, this one, I really just loved it. I don't know. It's just like this film was like a punch to the stomach, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Just the way it's told, the acting in this is superb. Visual effects are amazing. Camera shots, which I know you appreciated, you know, the cinematography. Yeah. Makeup is unbelievable. They got like the injuries of wind. Have you ever gotten windburn, Josiah? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad, but yeah. It, oh, and I've gotten bad wind burns. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hurts so bad. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. No, you're good. But like, no, and the makeup design, you're totally right too. Because yeah. what I think having 
having watched Alive before this was actually yeah. kind of an interesting experience because this is a much better movie than Alive is. Mm-hmm. Again, Live Live functions as what it needs to do as a '90s movie talking about you know a '90s right big, big budget movie talking about an event like this, but. Uh, this movie has like a lot more like subjective filmmaking. You feel a lot more stuck in the situation with them as a live is very like just kind of watching them do things. You don't think about the camera angles much, much mm-hmm. as like this movie. It'll do that thing that like Terrence Malick thing with like the big, the wide angle lenses getting shoved right up in someone's face. Right. And, you know, you feel claustrophobic with them because of yeah. it. Yeah. It really emphasizes like the panic that they're yeah. feeling. And then, and then the and then the makeup design fits into that as well because I don't think Alive had nearly as uh, upsetting. I would say, Mo- yeah. like like this movie f- is more upsetting than Alive is, despite both yeah. of them being about you know people getting stranded in like an Arctic setting and yeah. resorting to cannibalism. Like uh, Alive, <laughs> or what was that? Yeah. I, it, I don't think the Andes are in the Arctic. Oh, well, Arctic they're not Arctic. Um, Arctic conditions, I should yeah. say, yeah, because they're not actually Arctic, right? But, but right. you know, um, but like Alive is like like you. I got the impression they just had, did a little bit of cannibalism because of Alive, mm-hmm. and with Society of the Snow, you just see like the bones and yeah. shit. It's a lot, a lot more harrowing. It's rough. Oh man, it's it's so rough. And then when you know the the uh, fate of some certain individuals, you're just like, oh man. But we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. I saw this movie once, and I cried for five minutes at a certain mm-hmm. scene, which I'm sure you know the one. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this like about twenty minutes, uh, or finished this about twenty minutes prior to us recording this. Cried again. Yeah, you watched <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's, my god. I actually like almost cried several times but god mm-hmm. yeah there's just like this one scene that just every single time let's let's mm. actually get into it uh yeah yeah so what what happens yeah <laughs> well uh warning uh spoilers for 50 year old historical events uh right so uh you know you have this 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 rugby team that is it's following this rugby team who are yeah flying to to chile um it's a very it, cheap it, flight yeah. Yes. They invite a lot of their friends and family along. Mm-hmm. The establishing shots or the establishment of the characters I thought was great. I, I have oh, to yeah. say as a side note, Bayona knocked it out of the park with the casting of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I believe it was like the Netflix Instagram or something like that was like showing like the side by side comparisons of the actors mm-hmm. to the actual they really, really look like these looking. guys. Really, wow, really okay. similar. Yeah. Like um the guy who plays Roberto Canessa could be his son. Right. And I gathered that the, well, I know that at least according to Wikipedia, I think it was that, um, mm. what the Bayona like record, like a hundred hours of interview footage with the surviving members yeah. of this and stuff like that. And then you, yeah. you had also mentioned some of the actual survivors appear as extras in the early they, scenes. They do. Um, Nando Parado does in the early airport scene, uh roberto canessa is there at the end he's actually one of the doctors who's like guiding the actor playing him into the hospital which i thought was very cool uh carlitos paez is playing his his father he's the one who lists off the survivors names uh i know a few of the other survivors i can't name them off the top of my head right now but i know a few of the other survivors are also cameoing in this so yeah it's very this is a very cool piece i think in that 
Um, it is the first one that uses the real names of the victims as well as the survivors. Mm -hmm. Because I, I believe in Alive they used like different or slightly different names or edited them or something like that. Yeah, at least they, they, they changed some of them because really the, the only ones that are consistent are the big is it the big i think it's the main two that eventually yeah. like that eventually do hike through the andes and get out yeah nando um, and roberto yeah th those ones are are those two people are, are played by like they're they're use their real names and stuff ethan hawk mm -hmm. of course playing yeah. uh, nando yeah yeah so uh, so bayona got the full consent of the survivors families to portray them in this movie which i think which is pretty of, crazy yeah, yeah. I think it's really a testament of how hard and how carefully he sort of worked at this material, like to be yeah. to honor the everybody involved in this. Yeah, um, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, that's because that's that's something that a lot of movies about tragedies usually don't do is get the consent of the survivors. Yeah. yeah, this this movie, it's very, it's not an easy watch. Very, but it's not like it doesn't feel like it's exploitation at any point. No, no. Yeah. Um, no. It's not sensationalized at all. It's very straightforward. Yeah, and I, I think that comes out in the in the cannibalism especially because mm -hmm. I think there's like you could imagine like if a like a Italian director in the 70s made this a movie about this <laughs> event. <God. laughs> you know, it would uh would have um a, a lot more with mm -hmm. the cannibalism. <laughs> show a lot more God. <laughs> yeah and so establishment of the characters i thought were great i thought the old christians rugby team the establishment of that really yeah. good showcases all the personalities of the key players really well and then i really really liked how they introduced numa numa turcati yeah sorry, yeah numa turcati the protagonist it's him sitting in a church listening to a sermon on Jesus in the wilderness. Oh, I didn't catch that. That was what the sermon was. That's interesting. Yeah. It's 40 days and 40 nights. In yeah, the, which, in the which no, that's, that's, that's really good. Yeah. That's really, really nice yeah. detail. Yeah. You also have, um, like I, I gestured at earlier, the, uh, the establishment of their class, their class status, like it doesn't do a ton with it, but it, it, it implies it mm -hmm. with just, um, you know, you have the outside, the left wing protests going on, the workers and the students, Right. And that's happening in the background while they're, you know, smoking cigarettes and chatting in like a little, like a diner or something like a right. kind of nice bar uh, talking about, um, you know, how many girls are going to meet in, in <laughs> Chile and stuff like that. Yeah. So, no, I really enjoyed how these characters were all set. I really like the actor that played Gaston, like the mm -hmm. red haired, very he, he's not in this for very long, but he's very charming. They sort of lead you on, I guess, maybe they thinking he's going to be in longer, but, but unfortunately, no. no. Doesn't last so, long. No. So, yeah, we have Numa, who is our protagonist slash narrator. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's sort of convinced by his friends to go to Chile for the weekend. So, you know, he decides to go off, uh, and that's when all hell <laughs> breaks loose. Um, yeah. yeah, the, um, God, this, cr the crash scene was so harrowing just the buildup of it. Right. Because you have the exposition of the mechanic who I believe's mm -hmm. name is Roque, like, you know, explaining, you know, 
how dangerous it is to pass through the Andes, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start seeing like the turbulent, yeah, like, yeah, violently shaking the plane more and more, and then just yeah, the buildup of it, like just the increasing violent, but just like the. I don't know. What What are your thoughts before I continue? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, like th this is the scene that um, is where you can you remember who Bayona is as a director, because the thing is, this movie is way better than um, I mean, the only other Bayona film I've seen is uh, Jurassic World. <laughs> so this is the same director that gave us. Right. And so like, you know, this is the scene where you're like, right, right, right. This is an action director. Like he knows how to do this stuff right you know with with the plane crash um and so like yeah and it, it looks great actually i mean it looks better than most of jurassic world does so <laughs> i mean <laughs> but um yeah and you just you get a sense of just how brutal and awful the crash is you see like mm -hmm. legs getting caved in because yeah. of the chairs and shit like it's yeah. it's pretty just, god just like the tail getting completely ripped off you hear the yeah. wire the metal twisting bones snapping yeah which is also an important detail too that yeah. it's split that it's split in half in midair because that's going to mm -hmm. become a major plot point later on as they are only in half of the plane and they need to get to the other half eventually right yeah De un un unbelievably brutal and then the aftermath great as well just mm -hmm. seeing people in hysterics like that Mm -hmm. There's this one guy that starts screaming, I don't want anybody else to die. I don't want anybody else to die. Which I think, like, just perfect. That's so perfect. Because mm -hmm. that just shows that you're not thinking at that at that moment of this immense trauma. You, you're just reacting. You're just... Just feeling, yeah. You're just feeling. Like, he just... Mm -hmm. It's such a perfect moment. Capturing just the sheer distress of the situation. It's... God, it's mm -hmm. so good. Um, first night, unbelievably brutal. I, yep. I I got I I wrote this down in my notes. I really like that Bayona is very very straightforward in how he portrays death in this mm -hmm. in this film because you you have like all of these survivors you know and amazing makeup by the way these guys look fucked up after this yeah yeah but you know you have like a shot of like Newman I believe his friend's name is is Poncho. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're huddled together. And then there's this guy who's like, you know, his face is swollen. He's like really, really injured. And he's just going, Ayuda, Ayuda, help me, help me, help me. And this, mm -hmm. and like scene transitions still on his face, but he's completely still. Like Bayona yeah. is very direct in how he shows death. He, he he does really like also like those cuts like that those harsh yeah. cuts like that where it's or it's not a harsh cut it's like you know looking at the same ob you know object or something and then it cuts to a new setting or whatever um right like the you know later on you know the brutal of like the brutal brutality of like the wind or whatever it'll do some scenes with that but like with right. that yeah you, you see someone die in that quick like sh you know cut from them being alive to them just being like frozen i don't know it really helps like emphasize like the des like how bad this situation is mm -hmm. and just the law the cost of the situation i believe that there there was like a number of people died that first night because they were just so injured yeah yeah and then you know you have the scene of them like hauling out the bodies and you just see the list of people and their names and ages 
Yeah. I liked that detail throughout yeah. it too. Whenever somebody dies, it it shows their their name and their age next to it. Um, mm -hmm. And like you had mentioned, this movie uses the actual names of the actual people rather than mm -hmm. fictionalizing it um, in the way Alive kind of does. So yeah, it's a real name when you see that. Yeah, yeah. See, there's a lot of I don't know if you picked up. There's a lot of Christ imagery in this. Yeah, there is. I mean, the religion in this is very present. I think that there's a lot of blink and you miss it moments with religious references. Yeah. Um, yeah like when they're hauling Nando out and he's like really hurt and he's in a coma mm -hmm. and they're lifting him out of the fuselage. That really, I don't know. It really brought back images to me of like the stations of the cross. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how he's lift, li you know, how they're lifting Jesus into the tomb, but instead they're, they're lifting Nando out of the fuselage so he can survive. He, really amazing that this guy survived apparently they from what i read in my research he they apparently took him out of the fuselage in this freezing weather and that kept his brain from swelling and that's how he lived that's really wow yeah so you're seeing you start you start seeing after the, in the aftermath is like how the survivors are sort of grappling with the situation like you have Mar mm -hmm. Mar marcello who's the team cap and he's very much like he's the captain of the old christians he's very much to me the moral center of the group yeah yeah he's like very much the guy who's like we got it we gotta wait guys have faith don't mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he's very against eating the flesh um mm -hmm. very much you know he tries to keep the group together um yeah and there's just like this, this slow breakdown of hope as well mm -hmm. during this time and you can see it through him yeah, I, I think it, it does a good job of, of um, slowly seeing how hopeless the situation is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty early on, too. They also end up hearing, I means within the first 10 days, they end up hearing the, is it the radio or something? Yeah, the radio announcement. That was such a brutal yeah. scene because you have them like screaming and then like, that's the that's that's where yeah. those those Terrence Malick kind of um, things I was like the wide angle lens is getting shoved right up in someone's face like that's the scene where it happens because yeah the radio announces oh yeah it's ten days have passed we're not searching for him anymore yeah Goodbye. and then they're all screaming and yeah it, just, and then, it cuts to music and then it's the wide it's like the world is going on without you they don't mm -hmm. care if, if you're you're alive yeah it's just yep the avalanche scene also pretty horrifying Brutal. yeah so yeah at some point i mean so they uh, they make the conscious decision eventually like not everyone participates but they they do make the decision to start eating people slowly mm -hmm. um i know that happens before the avalanche um and that yeah yeah and it, it's it's kind of interesting because the people who don't eat aren't necessarily going like fuck you for eating yeah so the other people they're just like i'm not gonna do it but like right. they're there isn't as much tension as I feel like you would expect in that sense. You know what I mean? Like right. there's a formation of like a certain solidarity going on where like people who aren't going to eat human meat are also like, but they're probably hungry enough that they understand why somebody would do it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. No. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, of course the avalanche um, happens. That's a, that's a, that's a rough scene. And that's, that kills Marcelo. Mm -hmm. Sadly. Um, that kills a lot of people. Uh, yeah. And it, it happens in a moment where they're, they're all hanging out and it's like a good moment. It's like, yeah. a oh, and there's then, like this solidarity and then, then just fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere. Um, everyone's buried. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about like the first expedition they go on as well. That's right. 
Um, that happens a little bit before the avalanche. avalanche. It's yeah, and that's I think it's Numa and Gustavo is his name, and then there's a third guy. Uh, that's that's a pretty. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty impactful scene because like they're they're looking for the tail and they find just bodies of their friends. Mm-hmm. They find find poor Gaston. I gotta say, um, this the the scene of them being huddled on the mountain. And then, like, waking up in the morning and you just see that, like, I think it's, his name is Gustavo. He's, mm-hmm. he, he's gone snow blind. That, like, oh, made yeah. me feel physically sick. Like, seeing yeah. that st- snow. God. Yeah. What a terrifying experience. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, they're, they're in this, like, trying to get to the other end, uh, you know, to the other side, the, the, the tail of the plane. You know, because there's there's maybe batteries there, there's maybe supplies there, but um, these expeditions, it's just they're really difficult to fucking climb yeah. several mountains uh, and get there. Um, so they they're they're kind of training almost at this mm-hmm. point. They realize they're stuck here until they can get out. So, you know, they're they're trying to like climb the mountains every day. It seems like to try to build up the the muscle yeah. or whatever to be able to do it. Um, and so, yeah, it seems like things are progressing well until, of course, eventually the avalanche happens, mm-hmm. um, kills several of them and, you know, basically buries the the airplane that they were able to hang out in. That leads to other unfortunate events. Um, I, this is semi related, but I find it's very it was a very interesting decision to have Numa Turcati. Um, narrate be the protagonist of the yeah movie. I, I really liked this detail um mm-hmm. too actually because it's it's so the narrator i mean we're spoiling the whole movie so yeah there um N- numa is not one of the people who survived um and yeah. so it's uh it's the narration is happening from one of the people who died i think it's like numa's death is really sad because he was the last person to die like he survived mm-hmm. everything else he was so he, close. Yeah, yeah, he almost made it. But I think that also just speaks to the effectiveness of this film is that mm-hmm. Bayona really makes you like miss somebody that you don't know. Right, right. right. Um, you know, and I, it's not like Numa's death is in vain. I mean, even like how he injures himself because he you know, he eventually dies of an infection. But that that was done to sort of save the group. He injured himself and found a way out of the mm-hmm. of the plane of their you know they were buried twice in an avalanche yeah that's right right oh right because he gets that injury is it from like kicking out a window or something yeah he was, was? Yeah. yeah and he cuts himself on the glass and then, yeah oh. long term that infection kills him um and uh, yeah i i i think what what i really was struck by with that too is i think that was a smart way of telling the story because with a live the main protagonist for the most part is Nando. If I remember correctly, it's, it's the, the two that got, that got through the mountains at the end. And so when you tell the story with them as the focal point, then it's a story about, yeah, man's triumph over nature. You know, it's that as when you make the story from the perspective of one of the people who didn't make it out, you know, it's, it's much, it's, you're putting it from the perspective of the weaker ones and whatever. And there's a really beautiful scene because you know, uh, N- Numa is trying to, you know, is hiking with them in these expeditions, trying to get back. Um, and then eventually he he passes out while he's walking. Right. right. And, you know, he he makes the self-sacrifice to let the other two keep walking and find the, the you know, plane while he makes, you know, tries to hobble his way back. 
Right. And he does get back and there's a really, you know, beautiful scene while he's back where they he's talking to I don't remember someone else and there's this this conversation about like you're not useless because you're weak in this yeah. situation. And that's that's the message that gets to come out of choosing to make the protagonist not one of the people that makes it right. rather than making it from the perspective of the person that get, you know that gets out at the end. Um, is it, it identifies with um, the victims? I think, that, and I think that was a smart, smart move. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Catholic imagery around his death as well. Mm-hmm. I realized. I, I think that before actually I go into the Catholic imagery surrounding his death, I think that Bayona is not endorsing any sort of p- specific like belief or you know what I mean, like well actually this is this is you know triumph of the human will or try or or belief in god i think he's showing like what people different people are yeah yeah, attaching themselves to like arturo for example he's injured and he says like well i don't believe in your god i believe in the god of nando's legs and roberto's hair um head and yeah uh, the stouch twins's hands which um i don't know if this is a case or not but but something that my um my girlfriend pointed out about that uh kelly pointed out about this this scene was that there's a there's a little there's a little bit of like socialism coded or like communist coded Mm -hmm. you know the kind of more militant atheist wing of that in in that monologue a little bit because it's like no i don't you know maybe don't have faith in god but like faith in my fellow man faith in our solidarity you know it's very very kind of um soviet atheist kind of i don't know it's very interesting that after arturo dies they do like sort of pan in on the crucifix that he's wearing though Mm -hmm. very i I don't Mm -hmm. know what message you know well it's it's yeah because it's it's kind of both and i i don't know i i didn't hate i don't hate his monologue like no it's actually an i don't even think it's fully anti-religious even though it sounds like it is at first glance because it's more like it's more like I see a spirituality in this grounded material circumstance in our love for each other in our, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and I like that. Yeah. yeah I re- I really liked that monologue. So that, that is sort of one sort of perspective of something you're hanging on to that you're believing in to get yourself through that situation. This film, very Catholic, which makes sense because from what I read, everybody on board this plane was a Roman Catholic. So mm-hmm. obviously a lot of Catholic imagery, a lot of subtleties, subtle catholicism in this as well um i mentioned to you this before but they really sort of numa sort of is depicted as this sort of saint or at Mm -hmm. least this was my interpretation sort of like this catholic martyr i mean even in like um one of his last scenes with roberto when he you know touches roberto's forehead with his thumb and a little bit of blood goes on roberto's forehead to me, that was sort of like anointing him. Oh, I hadn't. I yeah, that's a good point. I I didn't catch that. That that is a very loaded image. I you know you know one of the images that I was waiting to happen and it didn't really. And so I wonder if it's just like being implied but never said because you you mentioned in the real case they they explicitly said this in mm-hmm. the actual case, which is the the Eucharist comparison with right. the with the cannibalism. Or right. the you know uh, anthropophagy or, or however you want to say it, um, I I don't know like I I there was something kind of consistent to that like the it felt like it was getting gestured at but it just never did it like mm. I wanted I wanted a case where like 
the person, you know, one of the ones who's cutting it, the meat comes in or delivering it and, and like was individually giving a piece to each one like Eucharist or something right. for a second. I would really wanted that image, but they didn't do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if cool. Bayona decided to just eat that out just cause like it would maybe people fr- might freak, find it, freak it out the normies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that national review article would have been way angrier. I got <laughs> We'll have to go back to the, yeah, the we'll national review. To, yeah. But Enzo von Greenchick's portrayal of Numa in this was unbelievable. Mm, it's really, really well done. Oh man. I think I hope this guy gets in so many roles after this. He's he's fantastic. And I mean, um and also uh he's not the only one. Um Matthias Recult, I believe his name mm-hmm. is also fantastic in this is Robert um Kness. Like every all, all the cast yeah, is so good great. in everybody is just the the panic the you know confliction the you know just amazing performances overall you know you really just you know <laughs> mm-hmm. you really just have this visceral feeling just watching them on the screen um yeah absolutely yeah, so good i mean when numa dies and i really like this um bayona made this decision as well cuz if this had been an american film I think, you know, you would have had, like, a shot of Numa, like, slowly closing his eyes, right? And just, you know, drifting away. But Bayona does not do that. He just hard cuts to Numa's body. Yeah. Just to show that he's one of the dead now. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an incredible scene where, like, they take the note out of his hand. And it's it's a passage from John, you know. There is no greater love than laying one's life down for one's friends. Right. God, I cried right. so hard during that scene. No, yeah, it's it's a fantastic scene. And of course, it is kind of the, I mean, it is very much them laying it out in his life. Because at the, this point, this is like, this is also the moment when the uh, the two two or three people, the the, the ones who got out, uh, Nando and... and um, Roberto. Yeah, Roberto, like they realize, like th- this is when they decide to try to cross the Andes and not just... You know, yeah. th- so they they you know as as we mentioned they 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 got to the tail at one point. Um, you know, at, right after Numa turned around, actually, they just went a few more hours and they found the tail of the of right. the you know, and so they they messed with the battery. They they tried to get signals out. They they fucked with everything and just nothing was really working. And so finally, you know, after Numa's death is the moment when Nando and Roberto decide we're just gonna fucking go across the Andes. We're just yeah. gonna hike. We're just gonna do it and see if we can get people to come back and get it, save everyone. Yeah. I mean, and not only is his death sort of a catalyst for the other Mm -hmm. survivors to live, not only is his death powerful in that sense, but I also liked Bayona's decision to keep him as the narrator after he died. Like his spirit Mm -hmm. continues to narrate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, the voice continues to come back and then it, you know, it, you know, to jump ahead, you know, kind of, crescendos in the final monologue of him being able to say that you know when they get back when they when people are trying to get rehabilitated they're going to be completely changed by this forever and so in a sense they remain dead Mm -hmm. like me is like the kind of final yeah yeah very very catholic sentiment um (laughs) this is it's a very bittersweet ending i will have to say it's very yeah because you're happy that you know the survivors are out and that mm-hmm. like 16 people lived, but you're also thinking about the 29 that didn't. I mean, like Numa's death to me left a hole 
like mm-hmm. right because you've been following yeah. him for so long and now you're following roberto and uh nando, nando yeah. the rest of it so you really feel the loss like the hole that all of these people who died left behind mm-hmm. through him it's unbelievable narration yeah. <laughs> unbelievable narrative style yeah I, I think it's i think it's fantastic yeah um and yeah, so so of course those two they they do mm-hmm. they they get through the Andes uh, through kind of a long brutal uh, hiking process, you know, and then they eventually run into, you know, someone once they get out of the Andes, yeah. and they're able to to get help. The remaining survivors back at the plane get to hear over the radio their names get read off of the survivors, and then uh, a helicopter comes picks them up, and we get like. You know, I, what I like about this, because uh, because alive, I don't recall it having as much on this. Is there's still like another solid twenty minutes uh-huh. about them getting rehabilitated back into the world again after that experience? Right. You know, oh. um, yeah, yeah, you know, like a little more than it doesn't just end with victory, which is kind right. of like where alive is kind of kind of how it is. Yeah, woo, we I did remember, it. If yeah. I remember correctly, yeah, yeah. I also like that Bayona doesn't really give you any closure over any of the deaths, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You're waiting for a send off for Numa or for Coco or somebody like that. And you're not really getting it. Like even in the, that last shot where I believe it was Gustavo who's collecting all of like the tokens of everybody who died. Like the last shot is not like Numa's name. It's it's Mar- Marcello's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, toward, toward the end, you see like there, there's just the bones everywhere from all the the you know having to eat mm. people that has taken place, which I think oh, is kind man. of a harrowing chunk. Yeah, um, when they're taking photos and one of them briefly puts a like a you know one of the luggage cases over some bones to cover yeah. it up. And, it's yeah. it's brutal. It's very. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, oh man, is this one of the characters? I mean, one of the individuals i was following and rooting for you know yeah now it's just a pile of bones yeah yeah Yeah. but uh great film overall uh Mm -hmm. definitely one i recommend if you ever want to feel like you've been punched in the stomach yep Um, yep (laughs) want something really harrowing well yeah um this film has started some some discourses on on you know kind of in the spanish-speaking world as we've talked about um one of the notable ones uh, that I had run into was kind of a, a whole little culture war thing about a member of the Chamber of Senators of Uruguay, uh, Mario Bergara, uh, had a tweet that I, you know, wasn't intended to be super critical of this movie, but he just, you know, also pointed out that this is a, a movie about rich upper right. class, you know, uh, right. uh, folks. And then it, it turned into some culture war because uh, the right the right was like, can you believe it? They can't enjoy a damn movie without uh, <laughs> without this, this fucking really, wokeness. This really shows complete American cultural victory that we've just exported <laughs> all of our neuroses into South America. Um, yeah, it's it's um he also was like uh you know I I'm proud of them proud that they're Uruguayans. He also threw all that in there, but he just mm-hmm. also pointed out that they are elites. And right. this was apparently you're not supposed to point that out. So even though the movie itself kind of points <laughs> that out as we made yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah, it very much establishes that these are people of privilege. Um I I was talking to you earlier. I think yeah, there is like 
the i you know we have the idea that yes these are you know wealthy men you know we're and that's in their status you know possibly does um you know probably does play a factor into why we can't stop looking or like fixating on the story but also that humans have this big very like eternal romance with mm-hmm what we call in in informatics um immediate crisis and these are the types of crises that you know are a massive disruption on uh the status quo they're not they're they're crises that are you can't prepare for they're simultaneous they're usually natural or man-made um but the defining um the defining factor of these is that they are over very quickly you know, and you can't really do anything about it. like we can't bring Numa Turkati back from the dead or or any of the, uh, the yeah. other 28 back from the dead. Um, you know, everything, you know, everything that anybody could have done in that situation is over. Um, and that and compare that to something like like Gaza or, you know, the violence going in uh, going on in South America since you know, yeah. 60, 70s into into present day. Yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. the violence that would happen a year after the events of this movie, right? Right. You know. Yeah, and I, I, I think that a part of that is that we just prefer admiring scars than f- being forced to gaze at festering wounds mm-hmm. because we can't. One of them we can't really do anything about, and one, uh, the powers that be, sort of prevents us from doing anything mm-hmm. uh, from treating it, essentially. So, yeah, but a but a story about people coming together, surviving hard circumstances and eventually getting out is that's an easier narrative to digest than, you know, some the multi multifaceted and awful ways that like power function, for instance, where it's not it's not like that that immediate crisis, like you said, like surviving a hurricane, you know, there might be some politics to an immediate crisis, but like it's not it's not as it's the politics are not front stage in like what happens like the politics are maybe you know we 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 gestured at like the the air the us us selling shitty products to south america you know resulted in this tragedy there's a politics to that but there's not really a politics to the once the plane crashes how do we handle this you know what i mean um, exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's a much easier narrative to kind of deal with than like how do you make sense of uh you know a bunch of uh capitalists influenced by Milton Friedman and a bunch of military guys choosing to work together to kill everybody in this <laughs> you know in, <laughs> right. It's a harder thing to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the same principle as like, we're fascinated by the Halifax disaster, but we're not, nobody really cares about the fact that a bunch of minority communities, like, were also blown away and were basically essentially kicked out. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's the same principle. You also mentioned that, was there some like political shit that happened at the Goyas? Uh, or was not, it not, not political? Not I can political. Cut that and we I can think, bring it back. Yeah. I mean, Bayona, it seems he might have come out as gay. At the at the Goyas? Yeah, like he was he kissed his boyfriend or something. I, oh, okay. I couldn't find any official congratulations, Bayona. Uh <laughs> I mean, on your wins. I you I believe it was like a historic like they won they swept the Goyas. Yeah, they, yeah. They won twelve out of thirteen of their nominations. That's um, awesome. 
Bravo, Bayona. Uh, yeah. Good job. If only the Oscars were a bit more kinder. <laughs> <laughs> Do you also was it was it also there's like some conspiracy theories that were springing oh, up yeah. about the shit there too? Was, oh yeah, that happened in mid January. There was like okay. well, it wasn't a conspiracy theory. It was like one seventy year old Chilean mountaineer who was like, he <laughs> <laughs> was like these guys are not heroes. <laughs> Wasn't he they saying stayed they, on they, the mountain? They stayed on the mountain for book deals. For they chose yeah. for class. <laughs> They Such lied a, to all of you. It's so fucked up. <laughs> Such a fuck. I've hated these guys for 50 years because <laughs> I know they lied. Can you imagine? That, like That rules. Yeah. <laughs> then how do you explain like the, 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 the dead, you know, the people yeah. who are dying on. Oh, I think I think I might be dying of infection. No, dude, dude, just just a few more days, bro. We're going to get waiting. so much. We're just getting you do not understand how much money we're gonna make from this book deal. Let me tell you, <laughs> they're gonna make at least two movies about this. <laughs> so horrible. Sorry, we're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I think that's yeah. kind of. I mean, is that that most of the political components to the discourse? Yeah. I I gotta say, I learned a lot of Latin American cultural inside baseball from this because I was just seeing the comments that were like, "Oh, the Chileans are mad. They're not the protagonists of reality again. Chileans, <laughs> Chileans, not beating the allegations, bro." I'm like, "What do you mean?" I, I guess, I dude. Wasn't I feel with like that we're a stereotype. Pair we're like a pair of like fat slovenly Romans that are like looking at like the Galileans and like yeah, observing not, uh, their like what do you mean the Chileans think they're protagonists of reality what well that's that's kind of the unfair yeah. balance that we yeah. always that kind of just comes out of the the world order as it currently yeah. is it's like everyone's forced to fucking know the difference between like French and German right but then like nobody knows the difference like nobody in the US seems to like really know the difference between like Chilean and Nicaraguan or something like that you know oh like, yeah yeah it's it's a power I mean, imbalance like they, kind they of have thing. To, yeah, we they have to know everything about um American history. That was another thing is like one of the actors from Society of the Snow apparently got into some major beef with American Twitter. Wait, what happened with that? Oh god. Okay, so one of the Argentine actors, I think his handle is like Juanacar or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's he's also a streamer. Apparently like he made a he he just decided to piss off American Twitter cuz he like saw this post of like Coleman Domingo and America Ferrera and it was like the and it was like the Academy going this is the first time two Latino actors have been nominated in this category and mm -hmm. he just he comments Latinos where uh, <laughs> oh no yeah it was bad oh no and then uh, oh god and then yeah it got very brutal in that somebody apparently retweeted that and they had searched his account for for tweets that he made in 2013 uh which i'm going to leave to your imagination josiah about what a what a young argentine 13 year old would be oh, saying in no. 2013 uh what words he might have picked up on that he may or may not know the context of <laughs> oh good very good <laughs> And well, this, as we as we know, things yeah. have been very normal in Argentina for the yes. last few decades. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. They um, elected Reddit president over there. I've heard. So. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, so I, I gotta say that that Discord, I do remember because I know that like some of our mutuals started to notice that discourse, but I do know it spiraled out of control because there were, because the Americans were like trying to dunk on this guy, but they did not realize how many shooters Wanakar had. And again, I, uh -huh. I don't know his full name. I'm just using his handle. Uh, I think his name's like Juan. I, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. To any listeners, I'm a dumb gringo. Uh, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Um, they didn't realize how many, like, Argentine shooters this guy had. So, like, they're, like, you know, trying to dunk on him. And they're getting ratioed with infographics of Operation Condor. <laughs> no. Yeah. And just, like, the comment, do not let the gringos rewrite history yeah yeah i would <laughs> um, see this, this is the kind of discourse you shouldn't touch with a fucking like 10 yeah. like jesus christ no dude i love south americans just don't give a fuck like they don't care <laughs> if they offend they don't they're like no fuck you fuck you yankee <laughs> i oh i do God. remember there was like somebody uh, there was somebody on the american side that was like who this guy why does he have so many shooters and i was yeah. i was like i was like the paul dano riddler i i made yeah. that face i made that does she know face yeah <laughs> i was like man i'm like one of the few americans that has like the secret forbidden knowledge of this issue <laughs> um uh, uh, well yeah what other what other I discourses mean, here you said this has good, gotten unhinged this has gotten really unhinged i don't know do you want to go into the national review article on the subject of penetrating oh. american consciousness but we could go into the fanfare about this film let's you know what, let's is it since we're kind of still vaguely in the realm of politics let's talk, right. talk about the national reviews take on this and then we can God. get into the fanfare. i gotta say i was at work and i was like looking around because i was doing a little bit I, it was my lunch break i was doing a bit more research and i gotta say when i saw that national review posted a review of this movie my fist went up in the air in yeah. pure joy josiah well, you know they're gonna actually have a take because i i read some of the other yeah. reviews of it in the english press like english-speaking yeah. press thus far and it's always been things like yeah. wow this is a movie it sure <laughs> does show how things are awful if you're yeah. stuck in the andes it, but like a national review you know they're gonna they're gonna find a way to make this about wokeness yeah. or something it's I, gonna I be good I, I was very I was very sad it was not written by Armand. I would have uh, loved it. God, if this had been an Armand White review. Man. You're going to have to cut this part out, but like the plane of culture slammed into the mountain of wokeness and caused us to cannibalize each other. Why? I don't want to cut that. That's very, that's, that is Armand White. That is the most Armand White thing I've ever done. Again, ever I'm not endorsing this. I'm not making light of the situation that occurred no, here yeah i yeah. just know what he would have said no that's just a very good impression of arvin yeah. yeah. oh god, my god it made yeah, let me let me see if i can get the national review article up is um, it more dead than alive yeah it's more dead than alive i got it on my phone this movie remake on the famous andy's plane crash fails in its attempt to draw meaning from suffering Oh, good. All right. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us uh, uh, how you derive meaning yeah. from suffering, uh, yeah. Madeline Kearns? 
You probably know the story. On October 13th, 1972, a Uruguayan plane carrying the old Christians Club rugby team crashed into the Andes on its way to Chile. Wait, I'm gonna skip ahead. We all, we, we, we just went over the story. Not long after their rescue, the testimony of their survivors was collected by writer Piers Paul Reed, then a 31-year-old British novelist, who in 1974 published the narrative nonfiction book Alive, the story of the Andy survivors. At times, I was tempted to fictionalize certain parts of the story because this might have added to their dramatic impact. But in the end, I decided that the bare facts were sufficient to sustain narrative. When I returned on October 1973 to show them the manuscript of the book, some of them were disappointed by my presentation of the story. They felt that the faith and friendship which inspired them in the Cordillera did not emerge from these pages. It was never my intention to underestimate these qualities, but perhaps it would be beyond the skill of any writer to express their own appreciation of what they lived through. Oh my god. In 1993, a Hollywood adaptation of Reed's account was made in the movie Alive, which emphasized faith, friendship, and heroism. Not this please. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Not any more or any less than Society yeah. of the Snow does? <laughs> this, this pleased the survivors. I don't know if that's completely true. <laughs> Yet some qualities displeased some critics who felt the movie skimped over the characters' personalities. The more... The more comprehensive, uh, sorry, the more recent Netflix Spanish language. I like that she refers to it as a remake of Alive in this. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call this a remake of Alive at all. Like, I think it's just a lot too- of the same events happen because they're yeah. both based off the same I'm- actual thing that took place. I'm, God. This, if, if this is why people are like not watching this film because they think it's an alive remake, we have we have lost culture, dude. We've we've lost. <laughs> they think that this is like the Andes cinematic universe or something. God. <laughs> if Reed's account and the movie spinoff are titled Alive, then Bayona's Society of the Snow, based on Pablo Vierci's 2008 book of the same name, might better be better titled Dead. Why? Society of the Snow intends to pay tribute to the dead, but it memorializes their deaths more than their lives. What? Take the character of Liliana, a young wife and mother who survived the crash and died weeks later, along with seven others during the avalanche. In the 1993 film Alive, Liliana is vibrant and maternal. She tells her husband that their brush with death in the plane crash has given her a new appreciation of the value of life and a desire to have another child. <laughs> is that real? Yeah, that I'm pretty sure that does happen actually. Now that that's I think a, that's about a very, it. that's a very American move to just be like, yeah, that is. Well, like does the, does, does, does Kern's not see that like, oh, it, I, I might be wrong here, but if that isn't the case and they yeah. made up that detail about her, that is way grosser. Yeah, that's very, in Society of the Snow, Liliana is more a prop than a character. What? I didn't really get that vibe at all because you can see her like nursing like mm-hmm. some of the young men. Like she's comforting like one of the guys who's like yeah. starving to death. Um, no, this is this is a review just by a dumb person. It's just because she it. doesn't like it. look at the camera and say, "Hi, I'm a character." Okay, wait, wait, wait. Her husband says how during the avalanche she felt a surge of love for her lifeless corpse and realized that he had a purpose to take that love home 
and bring it to my kids back home, end quote. Oh, here now we're getting to the real meat. Here we go. Religion hangs in the backdrop. At the beginning of the movie, we see the team at mass. As the priest reads the gospel, man shall not live in bread alone. Clearly foreshadowing events to come. Scripture appears later with an invocation of John 15, 13. No greater Amen. love has a man uh, has a man than this, uh, he, that he should lay down life for his friends. Survivors make the sign of the cross and pray. Yeah. But the most important themes are undeveloped or contradicted. Whoa, whoa. Are you telling me that there's a problem of evil? Yeah. This like, in like <laughs> maybe there's a tension <laughs> sometimes yeah. between the belief in a benevolent God and awful things happening. Yeah. And in it's deciding, trying to wrestle with that? I don't know. In deciding to eat the dead, the survivors compare uh, the practice to organ donation in Alive we learn that the Catholic group made a theological comparison with the Eucharist. I don't mis- remember that being said in Alive, actually. I might be wrong. It's, it was a few, it was, I saw it like last year, but. Okay. The survivors sense, uh, made sense of their, um, the mysterious reality is that if everyone had survived the initial crash, then everyone would have also died of hunger. Thus, the deaths of some enabled the survival of others. Um, The survivors made sense of this in their belief that who lived and who died was for God alone to decide, as is made clear in the 1993 movie, when the pilot, suffering terribly from his injuries, begs the others to shoot him. They refuse, praying with and comforting the dying instead. In Society of the Snow... The faith articulated uh, is articulated less in a God who redeems suffering and his providence and less in the human spirit and their own efforts. And then she gets really mad at what Arturo says, Uh, (laughs) which I'm not going to read here. Survivors complain that the state. Of course. The survivors complain that the state they're in isn't alive, end quote, and that they, quote, won't make it just by praying, as if anyone said they would. When Canessa and Parado admire their trek, uh, the view on their trek for rescue, Canessa says it's a shame their appreciation for the natural beauty is in vain. Quote, too bad we're dead. He literally said that, though. That's something that's, that's, that's well-documented historical um, so what, what she's a fan of is when they make up shit about the people yeah but when they say what they actually did then, yeah. then that's not that's not cool um repetitive sequences of the survivors clambering up the mountainside wading through snow and squinting into the sun at little in the way of narrative momentum and in an hour or so in uh the movie begins to drag out. <laughs> our narrator numa dies with an hour of the movie still to go and right. nevertheless continues to be the narrator that's, the point. that's, that's the, the point you you don't interpret that as his spirit prevailing you know his spirit going on <laughs> that's the whole point um okay he oh she is he describes the survivor's homecoming as overwhelming explaining that they quote don't feel like heroes because quote they were dead like us only they got to return home as for what it all means, he explains, you'll need to find out for yourself. None of the philosophical musings are ever made coherent, never mind resolved. Society yeah. of the Snow doesn't yeah, have the because... confidence. 
Because, man, this is making me like the movie more. Because yeah. now I'm like, well, yeah, because now, because it is, it's a problem of, it's one of the themes in it. It's a problem of evil yeah. movie. And this is a consistent thing in like writings about like why the problem of evil is the problem of evil is because it demolishes your moral systems. It's right. an epistemological crisis philosophically, right? And so, yeah, you do have to just go, I don't know, man. That's make of it yeah. what you do. Like, I. Oh. It's awful and yeah. you have to figure out what it means for yourself like that's that's just i love i love this line society of the snow doesn't have the confidence to a certain nihilism but neither does it seriously engage with the catholicism on which many of the survivors relied i think uh, it engages with it better yeah it very than alive much does yeah uh far better i think this was a very catholic this man i love american conservatives man one quick well, thing does anybody quick, no, at quick, national... quick detail though not yeah. an american conservative the author is from scotland actually <gasps> she's a scottish oh she's a Scot. she's scottish okay well well anglosphere conservative right yeah 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 by the way does anybody at national review like any movie can i just say Truly, I wonder that too, because <laughs> you know the thing is, this movie is pretty apolitical, right? And yeah. the whole time I'm thinking, like, yeah, th this is such a desperate attempt to try to find like a take on it. And yeah. the best that she can do is remember, well, there was a there was a movie made about the same event in the '90s that had more white people, so it has to be better. Yeah, uh, I got, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say, conservatives, man, they they literally just can't. They don't have imaginations. They don't understand yeah. subtlety. They need like. A fucking you know roberto or numa or to look at the camera and be like uh by the way my faith in jesus christ is the thing that's what's getting me through yeah. today yeah. yeah i'm getting through hey by the way uh this plane wouldn't have crashed if uh the anti-pope uh john xx or whatever it was <laughs> who it was did not suppress latin mass in uh 1968 that's right that's right the you know the real crime here is vatican yeah. too if you think yeah. about it yeah <laughs> No, it's like, it, it, what I was going to say is like, the, the Society of Snow, it's a pretty, mm -hmm. all things considered, pretty apolitical movie. Yeah. If anything, I feel like I could imagine conservatives rallying around the movie. Because right. we know this damn well, like we mentioned with the political stuff, the, in, in the Latin, like in the Spanish-speaking world, right? It's it was that a left-wing senator criticized the movie, and the right-wing stance is, oh, fuck you, they don't. Uh, you know they yeah. can't appreciate a good story about about good Catholic boys. Yeah, you know that's that's the take there. You would think that's the take that maybe like a smarter National Review writer would do. Yeah, is be like, oh the the commies in in the the, the pink tied commies of Latin America are trying to cancel this movie. Like that's how you do. Like I would be a better God. fucking National Review writer than than oh, these yeah. people. Armand White, White, they're trying to make. The Andes tragedy woke. Oh God, I want to put a gun in my mouth saying that. But no, I, I feel like I feel like the best conservative angle with this yeah. movie, especially because you know because there isn't enough English speaking discourse yeah. about it, like you've mentioned, is to say you know why no one's talking about it is because they're too scared of the Catholicism in it. They're you know the wokes don't yeah. like this movie because it's religious. Right. That would be the that's angle. A, that's a way better conservative that's such angle. A, that is such a that's such a good conservative angle. <laughs> Oh god, it's, that's so good. Instead of complaining that it's uh, not religious enough. Yeah. 
but outside of the godless anglosphere we are seeing this become a massive cultural phenomenon in latin mm. america as I've told, what a deranged situation this is. We find ourselves yeah, yeah. in Josiah because I don't even know how tonally to approach this uh, just That's because fine. of how horrible this event is. And then just the insanity that has overtaken Spanish speaking social media over this. Well, it's um, it's they they made the mistake of um, casting a bunch of attractive men in a movie. That's true. And you even see that's one of true. their dongs at one point. I mean, come on, we're you were you were begging for this to happen. Oh my god, <laughs> that's true. Oh god, that's so true. That's very true. But that's what I. It's just so fascinating to sort of watch in 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 a bubble. Mm. If I if I if if you know what I mean, like just to be this uninvolved observer of this. Um, of like a discourse yeah yeah because i've like you know you see the movie and it's so it's so rough and i'm seeing i'm seeing tiktoks uh, uh edits um i saw one i i saw this chilean etsy that was like selling like playing cards of the actors faces which i respect that hustle i gotta say you know mm -hmm. um you you mentioned that the actor who played oh. Numa is like an overnight star from this yeah, movie, Yeah, he right? is. Oh, my God. He's got 2 million followers on Instagram mm -hmm. this past month. Um, and this was like his first role, right? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think he was in one independent film before this. Uh, but yeah, this is his first major theatrical role. Uh, and he's just become an overnight sensation. He's like the Uruguayan James Dean. I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> just... Women, I, I've I, I showed you the the photographs. Just just women throwing himself themselves at him, just like people mobbing the cast. You know, in these in these special screenings of in Madrid. You know, you know, mm -hmm. people just screaming for Enzo von Grinschik. Just, mm -hmm. it's insane. I've never seen anything like this, especially mm -hmm. over a movie of this subject. Um, yeah, that's what's like. That's what's weird about it because it's not like. Um... You know, with with Saltburn, say what you will about it, whether whether it's a good movie or not. I, I again haven't seen it. I don't have my take yet. But yeah. it is also a movie that does have weird sex stuff happen in it, and also yeah. the character get naked at some point, which I'm aware of because of the fandom shit. Mm -hmm. um, makes sense then that there will be that. This is a movie that's like pretty harrowing. Yeah. And even the scene I jokingly referenced of you see a guy's dog. It's like yeah, but it's when he's getting showered off. Yeah. After like and you're seeing him like just bones and flesh you know just in right. a horrible state it's not like oh hell yeah so hot you know what i mean like it's, right. it's a horrifying scene it, it's terrible <laughs> yes i do get it though because enzo is very handsome sure. i mean they all are <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, they're... No, no, I get it. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 an interesting like case of phantom or whatever. Like, I, I think um, it's probably not as morally disgusting as like people um, mm -hmm. fangirling for like serial killers or school shooters right. or something like that. But right. there, there feels like a similar energy to it. But it's I think it's yeah. less fucked up because it's a it's at least it's a victim, not right. oh I could have changed ten buddy or something like that. Right. It's not that, but I it is like. Him. It is still like, I don't know. I don't understand people's I, desire to look at a horrible, tragic situation yeah. and be like, oh, man, I in, would wish I was romantically involved with this situation somehow. Yeah. In, in their defense, I've seen like most of the fanfare is just around the cast. I guess the filmmaking of the film. Is, I, there's always going to be people that like push like whenever media of a historical event comes out, like no mm -hmm. matter what, 
there's always going to be somebody who's going to push push it too far right yeah yeah you're going to have like fan fictions about you know oh god this is such this is this is cursed um you know fan fictions about roberto canessa coming home to you or whatever i i feel like that's like <laughs> i feel like that's just like younger people who don't really can't really like it separate the fiction from the reality like the the roberto canessa of history versus the matthias recall of faith you know <laughs> um right, right but like yeah. yeah like you know if you're yeah. you're young you're not sure to process the fact that okay numa is being played by a really really attractive man yeah and so then you get to fantasize like well uh i would have climbed the andes and saved him <laughs> I, I, i'd be built different i would have been in santiago and i would have just sensed yeah, that there was something going on over in the mountains. Yeah, I've walked eleven days <laughs> and carried him down. No, the 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 fangirling over yeah. the survivors of this makes me yeah. think of um. I I yeah. said this off mic, but it makes me think of this James Acaster bit, right? That like he does in repertoire. That's I don't know. Like he pretends like he there's a bunch of like celebrity gossip about the Chilean miners that got out of the Chilean miner cave and that like 2010 story. Right. Like, that he's like, Oh, there's the one that's the troublemaker or one that's like the pretty boy. And he's like yeah. building this fake mythology around them. And it's so funny that that bit is now what's actually kind of happening <laughs> online. Yeah. With <laughs> yeah. Survivors of this plane crash. Yeah. <laughs> I love this shit, bro. I love it. Uh, yeah. It's great. No, you know what? I support it. <laughs> I mean, I support people being fans of this movie. Just be normal about it. Don't be weird. Don't DM Roberto Canessa on Instagram. Yeah, don't, he's, don't... he's 70 years old. He's married. Leave he... him alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, let him I feel play like golf or has... tennis. Or... <laughs> I mean, it has to fuck you up really bad to like, even though it is, it was like, pretty much as ethical as cannibalism could be the yeah. situation was right and still there has to be something fucked up to both know that you you did engage in it and also that most of the world knows you did yeah <laughs> like that would screw that's me what up. your name if anyone knows your name they know yeah. it's because you're the guy that got stuck in the andes and eventually mm -hmm. had to eat his friend yeah that would suck that would that suck. would really suck what do you feel like you would do in this situation josiah uh be dead be dead well <laughs> i don't think i would have been able to have the mental fortitude. i think i would have just gone insane on the second day i just i just kept, thrown myself off the mountain yeah i kept joking to kelly while we were watching it that i was like ah, i could have been fine but that's not remotely true i would have been dead like in the yeah. plane crash right <laughs> i would have been like mid eating a peanut on the flight or something and then choked <laughs> on it while we're going down <laughs> would not i yeah that's a very <laughs> very impressive to them that they survived this yeah. situation because i would not have survived it yeah god bless them i have i have more more complex thoughts about this that are coming out in a Substack article hopefully okay that will but be released related to the, like the spirituality of it right right the Catholic yeah. spirituality yeah hopefully more co coherent <laughs> than i've been on here that's okay. um I'll, I'll uh if i remember i'll try to put that in the show notes after you've written yeah. it so somebody listens to this yeah. later they might be able to find that wonderful uh i mean this is just horrible this has been a feel bad uh yeah feel bad time. feel bad event of the year <laughs> <laughs> yeah well this is a pretty solid movie um yeah. and it is on netflix which most people have usually yeah. so 
And hey, there's not many good Netflix originals. So yeah, you know, so when is there is one, one, yeah, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover about this? Uh, Yankee, uh, fuera Yankee de la cultura, uh, Yankee out of the culture. <laughs> My cat is like mobbing my. <laughs> yeah, cat's attacking the microphone now. Yeah, um, very interesting seeing the dynamics of Empire here, where this is a film that has become a sensation independent of Yankee influence, but also reliant on a Yankee distributor. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's an interesting position. Mm. It feels like a situation that's becoming more common too, because I feel like there's been it's usually out of Asia, but I feel like there's a lot of been a lot of foreign foreign based like Netflix originals. But yeah. yeah. Well, I and I hope that grows though, because that's that's one of the things that I think is could be good about the streaming era. There's not a lot of good things about the streaming era really, but like one is that we have in theory the ability to access stuff from you know other other national cinemas outside of the U.S. It's the it's the Bong Joon Ho at the Oscars thing. If you yes. could just overcome that that yeah. subtitle barrier, I love that. Um, yeah. What else? This is probably my last rendezvous in in Stan tw Stan Twitter. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, you're the, out. the the tonal different uh, the the tone difference between this film and the the reaction to it has like driven me insane to a near religious experience i'm going to like see the image of thomas merton like in my doorway very soon i'm sure um all right well yeah. um well i guess that that's probably moving us toward wrapping up here is there anything you want to like plug or whatever i mean i think most people that listen to this are already familiar with you but if they yes. aren't uh i do have a sub stack i am working on um J.M. Kazmirak. Uh, mm -hmm. That is my new my new Substack handle. I will be writing on there throughout Lent because I'm not going to be on Twitter. Um, I am hoping to write stuff on theology, non-English, foreign media, and uh, information. So check Hell that yeah. out if you get a chance. Hell yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's it. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Finch, for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of fruitless if you like what you heard make sure to leave a review on apple Podcasts and help us out with the algorithm and if you really like what you heard go ahead and check out the patreon link for that is in the show notes and speaking of patreon let's read off the list of our patrons here uh they are Men's Room Louie, Joseph Gross, Gavin Aronson, Steven, a.k.a. Spike Stonehand, The Worst of All Possible Worlds, Moss, Kyle Gannis, Regular Sized Horse, parentheses, Small, I Am Once Again, Leo Zachary Dickinson, and of course, Chris Barker. Thank you so much, and we will see you uh, later this week, probably. At the very latest, next week.